Hello and good evening, good morning, good afternoon, um, happy birthday, or, or whatever day it may be. It's Merry a, Christmas. Yeah, exactly. A Christmas commentary. No, it's not Christmas commentary. It's Do You Expect Us to Talk commentary time. And we just finished a Mission Impossible series, and we thought we'd stretch out just a little bit. We'd just eke it out just one more episode with a commentary. And uh, I should introduce everyone, because I always forget to do this. Uh, I am, of course... Uh, cinematronics or Chris, as I'm otherwise known, not like, I'm not called cinematronics. That, that'd be Did weird. you forget what you were called? No, no, not at all. <laughs> but I've got to introduce you guys. It is uh, David and Rebecca. Good evening, folks. Hello. Uh, yeah. So as I said, we're doing commentary, and uh, we put it to a poll, didn't we, Dave? Last we week. did put it to a poll. To be fair, if you do it on Twitter, uh, you're only given four options. So we literally decided we had to drop two. And then you're into basically, let's do the worst one or one of the three best. So we cut it down to Mission Impossible two, and then the last three films that in the series. So Ghost Protocol onwards. And it was Mission Impossible two that won the vote. Yeah, didn't surprise me. I actually thought Mission Impossible would two would walk the vote, and it actually squeaked over the line over Fallout. Yeah, I thought I thought Fallout would have would have won actually going into it. I was just, I was surprised how pop initially popular this one is, but I don't know if that's like because um, our listeners, uh, our very good listeners, enjoyed our review of Mission Impossible Two so much, or we, enjoy, the... we enjoyed our review of Mission Impossible Two. To be fair, yeah, we did. We did. We probably had more fun recording that than any other show in this series. Having said that. There's a part of me that thinks we're kind of defeating the objects of continuing because we've done like the last four films, maybe we've really enjoyed and we're like, but we're loving Mission Impossible. Let's go on. <laughs> and we're going on to like go back and revisit the really bad one that bears no like relationship at all to like Fallout. So, or any of the films. <laughs> no, it, it totally stands alone. It's it's quite interesting listening to like Macquarie try to be like diplomatic about it, which he manages, but. <laughs> You yeah. know damn well it's like you know you'll talk about it as like a uh, uh, part you know from it, of its time and things like that. He's just like being that. very gracious, isn't but he? You, you know, basically you just know he's like, yeah, it's crap compared to the rest of it. Yeah, he's trying <laughs> to be polite, but at the same time he's like, well, actually, it's shit. <laughs> yeah, so that's the one we're covering tonight. It, it won with about uh, just over a third of the vote, I think, out of the four films. So thanks to everybody that voted. <laughs> Much appreciated. And they all got votes, so there was interest in all of them from from people. So that was good. I reckon if we included three, that that might have scraped it for some weird reason. Or uh, if, if we let it run a little bit longer, because obviously we gave it a, a long a long time. But I had to chop it off there and then. Um, but I don't know. Hubby said, "Oh, we'll give it to the end of next week or something." Um, it might. Yeah, I think it might have just nipped past the post there. Well, three wouldn't because it wasn't on there. But I take your point. If we were able to put all the options to give it enough time, maybe another one would have won. I think. But uh, mm. yeah, I guess. But so that's uh, what we're doing tonight. Yeah, so we are going to uh, continue watching Mission Impossible, uh, the Team Maria version, <laughs> as you were uh, so adequately posted before. So um, yeah, so I am watching it on. Uh, on the uh, Apple movies. Get my glass of tea and we're ready. <laughs> Face sophisticated, I know. So, um, so let's just crack into it, shall we? And uh, yeah, okay. And uh, let's right. um, and let's see. So um, not Wolverine, hammer up, big style. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, on the count of three, on three, okay? Yeah, uh, sure. That's your plate. So, and that nice two-hour movie. Here we go. So, one, two, and three. And here we go. Okay. And away we go. Away we skip. And we've Pop, got... Paramount logo stars are coming in now as we yeah. speak. Because it's difficult to time, but we're all on to slightly different formats and oh, stuff. Cre- yeah, I think so what, cre- what, I'm watching the Blu-ray. What are you guys watching? I, I've I've just got a rip, frankly. Oh. Uh, because I'm upstairs on my PC. If, it, if no, it's not a film enough. I own, um, if it's a film I own, it's different. Am I watching it? Yeah. If it had been Fallout, I've got that on. Um, I've got that on Amazon. But even then, I think that's PAL, so it runs faster. It's a bit awkward. But anyway, um, lovely shot. This is there. Mm, very even good. though we are, even though we said we were finishing with Fallout, we've turned up this week to do another one. We are finishing this week. This is our last Mission Impossible episode until the new film comes out in about two years' time. Well, they're doing two, aren't they? Of doing two back to back. Filming them yeah. back to back. Yeah. That'd be exciting. Yeah, this is like the most nineties film of the lot, I think. Not released 2000s. in the nineties, but yeah, no, the most two thousands film of the lot. Well, see, what 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 makes you think it's the nineties? Uh, it's the nineties. Oh, I got my decades mixed up. No, um, the first one is very nineties, and this one's very early two. It's very of its time. I don't I don't want to link it to a decade per se, but it's certainly of you know around these years. Well, like the the music, the fashion, I guess. Um, technology as well, like phones, things like that. I mean, it is only like a year off from the nineties, isn't it? So, I, yeah. I I was thinking about this the other day, and it's and it, and it's a bit weird because I was thinking like how the Matrix, how like that that was like the definitive film as the nineties kind of came to an end. Mm, yeah, they had its anniversary screening, didn't it recently? And <laughs> and that you know. Because I was thinking about John Woo, probably from like this film, thinking about this film and like John Woo and how the Matrix is very stylized and he says he got this you know got sunglasses, the trench coats and, and all that lot and I was, I was thinking copied to shit by Underworld and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. You, you think of like films like throughout the nineties, and you got like you know, people always wearing sunglasses and trench coats and long floppy hair. That's like scattered throughout nineties films, and I just think it isn't it odd how like as soon as like it's something is de- defined in such a way, like the Matrix did, all of a sudden it's like it just becomes passe because everyone tries to mimic that for a brief short time yeah. until something else kind of yeah that, that kind of look is is very stylish. I mean, you see a lot of that in. Obviously, kind of mid to late nineties, like anime and manga as well. That kind of, um, I think, especially with the Matrix film, like the Matrix as well. I think that's kind of where it comes from. Those that kind of genre, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I do get what you mean. It is a little bit, you know, if you try to do that today, you think, oh, it's a, you know, been there, done that. That is a little bit passe. Overuse of filters was a massive thing in that era as well. And mm. this film isn't guilty of that in the same way. But the Matrix had that sickly green look when they were in the Matrix itself. It just, yeah, it and it's green, overdone. It? It's it's overdone. Of course, that was done to death on films like Nemesis and stuff like that afterwards. What are they making these days? Yeah, all like they check films. It's the vision green. style, right. And um, I, I'm one of the few people that thinks the Matrix has actually aged like shit. I think the action sequence are still, they're still breaking new ground. And I think I think it's actually quite because of all that green filtering, it looks quite ugly now. I've got a real aversion to green filters. I don't like them. You can say um, at least with the Matrix, there is a thought process behind the green filter. There's a filter. plot reason for it. 
Yeah, there, there's know. an absolute reason for it. It's it's to to note you are in the matrix. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm not saying I would change it. Yeah, but um, I, no, I, yeah. I saw a trailer. I saw a trailer for the reissue on the cinema screen recently, but I didn't see the reissue. Now the reissue is apparently this new 4K master and stuff. Fine, maybe it looks great. The version, the the shots they used in the trailer looked awful. It, it looked like it, it looked like it, it just looked like it was shot through a foggy haze. It looked like when you had videotapes and shit like that. It's second generation. It looks so grainy and um, the the end bit might have looked alright. I don't know. We'll see. I'll see it at some point. I'm sure. I don't dislike the Matrix. The sequels have, have ruined them slightly. Ruined it slightly. And when they said they were going to bring it back, I thought, well, great. You can play have someone else play in that sandpit and tell their stories. Um, and of course, now there's talk it's going to be the fucking Wachowskis again. And it's like, what's the point of that? Like remaking your own film, more or less. I mean, I'll go and see it, and it might be brilliant, but the whole appeal of The Matrix would be tell new stories in that world, see what else you can make of that that time. Tom Cruise is pulling a different face there. That's yeah. actually brilliant. Quite that revealing. Actually, but... That didn't look like him. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's playing the character of Sean Ambrose. That's what I mean. It's kind of playing, managed to mimic Ambrose's Tom. eye there somehow. It's cool. It's, you know, effectively playing... Two point three characters. Wait, it's, so. it's kind of Cruise's like uh, Philip... never ever um, acknowledged by people. It's kind of like everyone Philip thinks Hoffman. he's a competent. Yeah, sorry, go on, Chris. It's Chris kind of... it... Philip Seymour yeah. in three, isn't it? It was like he's basically playing Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, that's right. I I kind of always like, like to think like this mount was like the Power Man logo. <laughs> It is yeah. a little bit, isn't it? It could be. Can you imagine logo. when you saw the Paramount logo and stuff, and you saw these tiny, tiny little fucking creatures or that? <laughs> like, you sort of see the stars line up and you just <laughs> see a plane just crash right into it. Done 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it, 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 it's a bit odd. Oh, this is, that's, that's very of its time as well, the cameras, the way the cameras raced yeah. into even. Yeah, that's very late 90s, early 2000s. But, like, you know, the music, like these credits as well, there's a very specific look for this film. And I'm sure when we look back on like yeah, the, Rogue Nation the Fallout in 20 years' that, time, that, we'll be like, oh, that's a very, you know. Reminded me of that 80s group, Amazulu, their music. Ooh. But yeah, it's. Um, I, I don't know I've, if I've heard of them. Yeah, mid 80s. Okay, oh, I'll check them out. Oh, did she do, Grey? I um, You're a bit behind us, Becca. Well, we've got Cruz climbing the rock now. Oh, yeah, no, he's climbing up. So. It's all right. I'm, like, I'm probably like a minute behind you. Well, go forward. <laughs> I am going forward in time. Six forty-one. I'm on. Did everyone else think this was just a bit ridiculous? I just thought this was utterly fucking pointless. It had no, it had no purpose. Six fifty-one. I was forward a few minutes. Right, well, not if you're on six fifty-one. Six seven minutes. We've just hit casting by Deborah Aquila. Oh yeah, I'm there now. Thank you. Right, that's fine. <laughs> I've always been lagging. I kind of like the colour palette of it because it was so different. I, I feel like you could show me any shot of this film and I'd tell you it was Mission Impossible immediately. Mission Impossible yeah. 2, specifically. Um, so it's quite distinctive, but I just didn't see the point of any of this. And it's going on slow-mo. for Slow-mo! Nah, yes, epic, epic slow-mo. I've developed quite the aversion to slow-mo over the years. Unless it is Matrix style and you're going around stuff to show us detail or something. That's quite interesting because, like, slow mo. There's certainly in terms of like, um, I think like videos and stuff like that as well. I haven't seen 
is that something that's going to translate to the screen as well? Because I, some, you know, sometimes there's a kind of leap from mobile to the big screen. Um, I wonder if that's going to start kind of infiltrating. Just, I, I, just, as a, just as a visual technique, I, I doubt it. But no, I mean, I, I, I think it depends. I mean, the odd use of it here and there as a tick, fine. I don't really like over-the-top director ticks anyway, but. Uh, I think, I mean, the one that really made me laugh was the, one of the Resident Evil films. It's probably in all of them, but I certainly remember in one, we were sat in the cinema joking that there was probably only 17 minutes of footage, but they were <laughs> slowing down so much of it, it, they stretched it out to like 90. Every other scene was slow-mo. That was pathetic. And it's just like, there's a filmmaker with no idea, no vision, no nothing. So no, just, just, just relying on a load of like little ticks and tropes. And then you know, video game movies—they're all that's of a league of their own, really, aren't they? That's... So you know, you could have just—you would drone this in now, probably. You would. Yeah. Shoot it by satellite. And Tom just goes, "Are oh, you silly idiot?" Basically, how's it going to get just... back down? It's like thinking, oh, surely these guys could have given me a lift. But we've wasted <laughs> about three minutes on this so far. We haven't even got to the fucking mission. Do you know what I mean? No, this is it. Because and now in, in the modern. Mission Impossible World, we'd be three quarters of the way in the film by now. <laughs> it's more the fact that literally this whole point is catch up with Ethan, spot he's doing a bit of dangerous stuff in his time off, which isn't the mission. character as he comes to be, because the character in Six is like quite um, lonely in his spare time and li- yeah. not living in any kind of luxury. This guy is off on like, you know, off on his adventure holidays. Adventure holidays, you know what I mean? But, um, this is difficult to shoot in a way that's in any way interest him just standing there looking at his glasses, the inside of his glasses. It might just be an advert for Oakley, you know, Oakley um, bespoke, made for Tom Cruise. <laughs> you're not going to buy them. I do have an issue with them saying, if you're killed, we'll disavow. And it's like, who would give a shit if you're uh... dead? Well, clearly, now in order four. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's, are they trying to make it more like James Bond? It's, it's difficult. Yeah, oh, I, you, you keep saying that and it's fine, but I don't see a huge amount of Bond in this series at all. No. I, I, obviously, if it's got a spy element and they're going to different places in the world and there's action... And you've yeah, got the gadgets. But, but very he little takes most of the boxes there. I mean, put it this way, there's, there's more fucking... Yeah, but I mean, even Bond, I mean... No, it's, it's, it's more of the last joke, really. You know... Bond, the whole, the whole gadget thing with Bond was... It was an excuse to have a, Q, a scene with Q and then having given him something, you had to see him use it. And it's actually got very, very tired. Um, Plus also it was the 60s. So it's kind of very... Lovely transition. The 60s was different. Look at that. That looks fucking dreadful. <laughs> That's a really poor transition. Turkish delight. <laughs> though, Sponsored by. Though, to be fair, the Spanish dancing in the scene, uh, having that going on in the background, does add a very exotic kind of... Bondish. Yeah, but that slowing it, it down and taking frames out looks ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a bit silly. It's like, what? What does it add? What does it add? Bon John Woo, what were you thinking? If you're John Woo and you're watching this film, <laughs> and you're watching this film, <laughs> and you're listening to this commentary, please send us your thoughts. Which, which of course, he is with the Queen and <laughs> the Queen and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Trying out, yeah. Trying out his action moves on Riddick Bow. Judo, 
Michael Aspel's waiting to hit the force coast of Ronnie Corbett's just appeared for calm. Here we go. The slow-moving dress and the... <laughs> slow-moving. Walking on green screen. Mechanism. Yeah. Over ice. <laughs> <laughs> Babies. We drinking game. Like, every time there's a slow-mo. Shot. He would be dead. That, I, I think there's a gif of that. It looks stupid because it's clearly not in the same shot either. Mm. It's so badly composited, but badly is an interpretive word because objectively that's that there is really bad compositing but it's deliberate i think it's deliberately stylized to look like that so john woo thought that looked good he didn't just try an effect and it didn't work and that's like here's the best i can do that that was the 2000s for you <laughs> probably the poorest decade of cinema well at least the first part of it was first half And, you know, she was interviewed about... She was hoping to play a Bond girl at one point, but it was a specific film where there were some preliminary talks around it and they didn't really go anywhere. And she said, well, it was a long shot anyway. So she was definitely in the shout for Bond around this time somewhere. Yeah, she, it, it, a, it would have been Brosnan, wouldn't it? it would have been... Was, it would have been World's Not Enough. Yeah. Tomorrow never, uh, Die Another Day, one of the two. Yeah, it would probably be the um, the one uh, Rosamund Pike played, out of thought. Well, I like Rosamund Pike as an actress, and I, I, I but she was too young for that role. Tandy Newton had probably has about six years on her, so actually maybe that would have been better. I don't know. I don't know. But the the young protege angle, if anything, worked in that film. Sort mm. of worked. She was way too young to be an agent like that. She came off that way. Well, yeah, when you're pairing off with uh, Brosnan at that time. Yeah, Brosnan was get, Brosnan wasn't was getting to the end of his time in the role as well. So it's one of the you know it's one of the things with Roger Moore. It's like well, if you still wanted Roger Moore at fifty-seven, fine, but at least cast a bit more age appropriate, even if you went early forties yeah, or yeah. something. Don't don't cast fucking Tim Roberts. Now here we have. <laughs> Look close and personal. <laughs> They're in love, Chris. <laughs> Don't mock it. In the bath as well. Actually, this is just lost at this stage. It becomes love when it becomes vehicular mayhem. <laughs> vehicular mayhem. She does look like she's about to sit on his face. There's a song about that. Her boobs are quite juggling in, like, in that they're, area. They're, <laughs> I, I enjoyed them on first viewing. <laughs> on the big screen. Well, not first viewing. But on re- the review viewing, I was thinking... Oh, okay, was sorry. That's, that's a very dodgy... Here's a beautiful revelation. Top-down view right there. Um, again, are you on a Blu-ray? You are? I am. Okay, I don't know if you're exactly where I am because I haven't <laughs> got to that yet. That there, she's leaning forward over him and just putting the key in. And oh, just... yeah. Yeah, Cruz is just clearly enjoying himself in that position. He's having a good old time. Yeah, but her character as well, somebody who knew, you know, who knows her body, knows how to use it, knows knows what she wants, knows how to achieve her objective. Hopefully, so. some sex. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and he he does the same as well. You know, he kind of uses his charms. 
It's funny because Tom Cruise in this whole scene looks dressed a bit like a sort of 90s Euro trash villain. <laughs> you know, he could be the antagonist in something like Crow or something. Although that wasn't really good, but you know what I mean. That, that was just the look at that time, though. It was just like yeah. uh, just a weird, wear black. Oh, what are the camera moves about what? there? I thought it was going to go all like do 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 do. Yeah, a bit Captain Scarlet style. She's she looks pretty timeless to be fair. She's not particularly over era. She looks great. She looks the same as she does today. She hasn't she aged. Has aged but I'm very pretty sure she hasn't. Well, it's the same with Rosamund Pike. If you if you showed me a photo of Rosamund Pike and said how old is she now, I wouldn't guess early 20s. And if you showed no. me a picture of her and die another day, I would guess early 20s. And yet mm-hmm. so they have changed. That woman there we're looking at oh, yeah, is, no, is 27 yeah, they and looks older, it. Definitely. So she but will look older, but the ageing is very, aged, very Yeah, they've subtle. aged well. Very so. subtle. Same with I mean, Cruz She looks young here, and obviously when you watch Die Another Day, she looks equally young. Oh, in Die Another Day, she looks really, really t- way too young. She is too young, so I'm going to sneeze. She was about 23 when it came out, yeah. Oh, not going to sneeze, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, had she not made Die Another Day, then she might have been Lady Penelope in the Thunderbirds film, which came out a few years later, so could have been a different world. Well, I was surprised if Olivia Miles didn't become a bigger star. Oh, no, she's lovely. She looked amazing in that film. I was I didn't see the film, to be honest. I just saw publicity stills for it. I have seen no, her in Hallam Foe. But Rosamund Pike would be right for that sort of character. Hallam Foe's a good film. Um... I don't know. I mean, I've seen little bits of Thunderbirds ago and stuff like that. I've seen the point. Isn't the fact that it's marionettes half the point? If you're not going to do it marionettes, aren't you losing half of what it is? Mm, yes and no. But then you, you kind of got you know New Captain Scarlet, which came out mid two thousands, but I think around the same sort of time as like Doctor Who reboot, I think. Right. Um, but yeah, again, but that, that was, that was kind of, animated, again, though, that wasn't film. it? Yeah, that was CGI, and that was obviously trying to, you know, break a new format. You know, he'd been there, done that with them, um, with um, with Mario Nation. Um, but I think the, the same same thing that's happened to um, to Thunderbirds Ago actually. It's just stuck in ITV scheduling hell for a series that should have only taken three years. Like Tigers has taken what five years now, I think, and it's just like oh bloody hell, really. Um, we're not getting the second part of of this current series, um, which will be the last ever series. Um, until the new year so it's just oh nightmare nightmare um but i kind of think you can you know the popularity of the show just of tag just goes to show that you can separate yourself from superman nation there's still elements of it um but within the you know the makeup and the build up of the characters themselves there are little callbacks to their marination counterparts um but i think yeah you know a little from column a a little from column b i've got to stop you there becca because uh, a very serious because it's the golden eyed car chase a very serious loving relationship is about to start mechanical carnage like in my head i've just, I've, I've just got that uh golden eye score in my head like the you know the <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> it's the golden eye chase <laughs> ladies <laughs> first <laughs> <laughs> we're about to run into, into some french cyclists soon Get through a tunnel. That scene pissed me off. That was right up there with like later when they had the car clampers and stuff. That's a, that, that belongs in a Roger Moore film, not anything else. Mind you, Pierce Brosnan was more Roger Moore they, than anything. You did that in the, in the uh, last Johnny English film as well. I like... know it belongs. It belongs in the Johnny English film. Like they're cyclists, boff. <laughs> I just think a lot of people who watch these films don't understand the difference between laughs and jokes. 
You know what I mean? In that, yeah. like, people go, isn't, isn't Casino Royale dour? I'm sorry, I laughed more during Casino Royale than I did in Roger Moore's entire run. Um, although The Spy Who Loved Me has some phenomenally good lines at the start. Like, the first few minutes of The Spy Who Loved Me is really, really good. Yeah. And give him a half-decent line, and boy, could he sell it. But, Roger, yeah, Roger could do it. But, like, most of his films is full of a load of goofing around that ain't funny. Did anyone laugh at the Tarzan yell? Really? <laughs> you, you might have done Sit. that. Sit! And that is not funny. Whereas, like, so it's like, well... He, might need this to play with the rasp. He's far funnier, and it's like, no, he's not. That last hand, that last hand nearly killed me was, like, way funnier. Mm. Uh, that's, uh, that's more clever. That's more, um... That's a much cleverer line, though, isn't it? It got than, a laugh. It got a laugh. Oh, you know, lovely lines but, or whatever. But he sold it as well. He did, exactly. That probably puts him slightly ahead of Dalton. Well, like slow-mo Dalton, and Dalton couldn't do the lines at all. He was very serious. He took himself very seriously. I, I always felt with, like, with Dalton, they were still sort of figuring that stuff out. Chris, 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 hold that thought. Quick. Watch as two people <sighs> fall in love. I'm dangling. <laughs> how's, oh. this, how's this car not already falling off anyway? I oh, know we're just we're just staying like a car that's hanging off the edge. It's the power of yeah, and he's he's still in the seat that's nearest to the pole. <laughs> yeah, like, that's dangerous. Like Hang on, lads, I got an idea. It's like you're not even going to close the door just to be. <laughs> no, the, the th- just back to Dalton quickly. The thing with Dalton that really, really like just summed it up for me is right near the end of License to Kill, where it's all like going south, and he says it looks like he reached a dead end or something like that. Mm. He said that, he spat that line out as quickly as possible and ran straight onto something else, almost like, the line's not very funny and I'm not suited to this stuff anyway, so I'll just say it quickly. Well, I mean, yeah, what, what was his other one? It's like, uh, you know, I, I gave him the boot. That was the, that was the other one, wasn't it? That was yeah. probably the, like, his he best one. Right sometimes. It depends. I think a lot of it might have been how much he believed in the line, because we've nothing to declare was funny. Yeah. In fact, it's slightly ruined by except this cello being added. We've nothing to cl- declares all you need to say. Um, I don't know. Better I make think that I, I... too. Looks, yeah. It, 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 it... I don't know. Oh no, Chris, he's lost his love already. Oh dear, what a shame. <laughs> oh no, oh, no. He's... Oh, oh thank God. <laughs> oh no, it's it's it, it's that she stayed, and he's like, oh damn, what do I do? I'm in love it's... with this beautiful thing. So real, I could watch it for hours. I'm a bit creepy like that. I, I mean, to be fair, Cruz does look great here. Like, you know, I mean, right Oh, yeah, Cruz is actually sort of probably looking Pete Cruz at this point. Yeah. Yes. In fact, um, I remember a lot of times him being interviewed around the time he did like the stat and stuff like that. He still looks pretty much like that. He hasn't really aged in about seven or eight years since that film. Since the what? Stat? Le Stat. Le oh, Le Stat. All oh, right, yeah. Interview yeah. with the Vampire. Yeah. Well, there's a good film. <laughs> it's all right. It's dated quite a lot, even though it's... His um, it's physique's changed a bit as well. I mean, like here, he's obviously very muscular. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of more—I I don't know how you would describe it. Like he's—there is a bit. I, know, of, I was, I was gonna say bulked up. There's a bit not... of gravity taking effect now. What do you mean, Rogue Nation? 
Mm, I would tend to agree, definitely. But he's, you know, he's still obviously very physically fit. No, and, and looks apart as well. he, he looks amazing. We're just saying. Yeah, it looks incredible. A lot of people talk like he never ages, and it's like, well, it'd be amazing, he you know, if we get to his age and look, look you know, I don't know. You see him that Top Gear, uh, Top Gear, that Top Gun. Um... Top Gear, <laughs> really? Top Gear. He was on that. He was, yeah, yeah, he was on it one time. He was. That was around the time he made Night and Day. Cameron Diaz was on it with him. Um, That's one of those films where whenever it's on, I think, oh yeah, I must watch it, and then I don't. Hey! <laughs> oh, there he is. There's Anthony Hopkins. No, you don't. It's alright. It was okay. Uh, that film just didn't work for me. That day. Yeah, okay. It was fine. Really, really wants to like it though. They had no chemistry, those two. No romantic chemistry, anyway. Yeah. I mean, Cruz was like perfectly cast as like. Oh, he was just great. In like, the uh, it, guy just, just the guy from nowhere, just like really yeah. charismatic. Who, who swans in and is effortlessly all round magnificent. Yeah. Basically, Ace River with all the joke element removed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've always like it. There's another thing with the Mission Impossible. Like each one, each one of the bosses are different every film. Yeah, and uh, yeah. He's never, he's never had, he's, he's never had a mainstay. M. They've only carried over once, and that's just to kill him off. Yeah. Oh yeah, true. Why would anyone take that job? Oh no. Um, it's the man who died, and Tom will have a good heart, a good think about his uh, his lab work later. <laughs> have a good play. We need lots of shots of Tom really taking it in, looking all stern and serious. Because this is a serious plot, Chris. Lives <laughs> are at risk. And he's in love as well. He mustn't know, mustn't know whether he's... I was going to say coming or going, but there's a joke in there and I don't mean one. <laughs> Is he coming well, in hell or going well, on a mission? First you come, then you go. Yeah. Unless, of, unless of course, you're going... Unless, of course, you're going to come. Yeah. Often quite close <laughs> together to you develop some manners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, someone was like, you know, clean up straight afterwards. Yeah, you never <laughs> see that, do you? You never see, go and get me some toilet paper. You never, ever get that in a film. <laughs> Pass the tissue. Yeah. <laughs> this scene's too long. It it just always I I really I keep on about this but drop the sound out just to see how a film feels like it's being mm. paced. This seems too long. I wonder how that feels, you know, with with certain, you know, with like certain films which which work because they take <laughs> the time of the scenes. You do, do you know what I mean? the idiot version <clears throat> of the plot. Look, we've actually seen all this happen, and yet. It's explained, and we get it made clear yeah. that his hair changes as well. That really is 
so low IQ compared to the last film. Sorry, you were asking what how it would compare with what? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. In fact, we've already seen him with the mask on and take it off. We can kind of gather. We all need to say is, "Are oh, we sent Ambrose in your place?" Done. We don't need to actually see anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was yeah. just wondering, like, in terms of, like, sort of gauging whether the scene's too long, you know, with isolation of music or sound, like, how would that play with certain films which they take the time with? You know, I'm thinking of, like, you know, the spaghetti westerns, you know, they always kind of, like, have long played out scenes or, like, the Tarantino. To be honest, it's not, entire, it's not entirely reliable anyway, because if music alleviates all that, then why would you drop the music out and find it too slow? But I just find it instructive in some films where something doesn't quite feel right, and then you drop the sound out and you can almost identify the scenes immediately mm. that are giving the problem. And this yeah. is one of them. It, it is like in The Spy Who Loved Me, where Roger gets drugged and he has to make his way back to, like, find M and M's with Gogol and stuff. The scene of him like coming to and making his way back goes on way, way too long. And in the flow of the film where you've got none of the sound, it feels too long because you're like, well, this isn't a plot bit and we're just establishing he's getting back. Well, what's, what's this, what's this bit telling us that it was really difficult. He's James Bond. James Bond could get anywhere from anywhere. So that's not, you don't need it. And this scene has been going on several minutes now. Yeah, I guess I get that, I think, especially with Spy Love Me, because it's, uh, you know, you, you kind of like taking a long time for for both him and Agent X to be in the same place anyway, so... Yeah, and now they're together, you separate them and take several minutes just for him to head back to exactly where he started. Yeah. It's it's really, really strange, but then that's the problem with the Spy Who Loved Me, I think at, at its peak it's brilliant, it's got a wonderful pre-title, it's, it's the funniest film of Roger's run by a distance, if you think of all the really funny lines in his run, they're nearly all in that film, um, so there's a lot I like about it, but his pacing's absolutely all over the shop, and that's like an example, it's like everyone thinks of it as the fun, light, bouncy Roger Moore film, and yet you've got sections like that where nothing happens, and the whole last third of the film's like that. And we we've just been talking about this for several minutes, and this still this scene is <laughs> it's still, still going. Running. It's still going on. Bloody hell! <laughs> All he's trying to explain is who Sean Ambrose was, how he got on the plane, why you got to take Naya with you, and that's it. And yeah. E. And <laughs> e. <laughs> and and uh, make a mildly sexist uh, comment like <laughs> yeah, mildly. <laughs> Women are fucking dodgy slappers, you know. <laughs> <Good. Boy. laughs> I'm paraphrasing, Becca. <laughs> I know. By the way, your A was brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. I've been practicing. Oh, it's all slow mo. Tom does not look happy. It looked like an advert as well, but I don't know what for. Hands off the shave. You, I said, yeah. What like what sort of yeah. But like a slightly out of fashion one that still. Am- amaretto. Me. I think that, that's definitely amaretto. <laughs> amaretto. amaretto. <laughs> Coming soon from Troublemaker Studios, Amaretto movie. <laughs> Starring Tom Cruise as Troy Amaretto. <laughs> Troy Amaretto. Oh, that's fabulous. When does this take my money? I want to see this film. Honestly, if I heard Tom Cruise was in a film called from Troublemaker Studios as a character called Troy Amaretto. Oh, Troy. I'd be there. I'd, I'd be there. See, still of him was looking really serious in front of a bonfire. I'd be there opening night. Definitely. See, she's looking at footage of of this like play, but I see no fucking bodies. She'd be like, "Well, I can't see any bodies, so why would I care?" That proves (laughs) fuck all. That that, that plane could have fucking been abandoned there. Yeah. 
right. It, it, and, it's such shoddy, and it's like because like I need you to stack your ex. It's a bit, it's a bit shoddy because like Sean Ambrose is supposed to be like was active, you know, literally just before this point. Yeah. So, but it, when we get to him, he's like he's like fully functional, um, international terrorist type guy. Like he's got like yeah. a whole group behind him and everything. It's like how'd that happen? Has he just taken like half of our I, uh, IMF with him or something? Or I don't know. The film, the film's not interested in exploring any of that. So I'd like you to go and sleep with your Rex. Try not to yeah. suck him off; it'll make me jealous. Oh, she's angry now. Look, Tom's really angry. He's got that face on. Tom's doing his like push out your cheekbones, not your cheekbones, your jaw with like kind of you know grit your teeth a little bit and your jawbone shows a bit more. He's, he's very being very serious. And he's he's looking out all moody to tell that he's not happy about the situation. This is not the way I wanted it. None of us are happy with this. But my boss said, "Hey, so have we got him?" Well, she seems mildly happy. She just gave a little smirk. Yeah, she's like mildly happy. Free cock. <laughs> two for one deal. Enough to excite anyway. <laughs> uh, two two for one deal, and like I'm serving my country apparently. <laughs> what a Great Britain! <laughs> well, I'm serving a country. <laughs> that doesn't really work as a patriotic statement, does it? Do you serve well, 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 I'm uh, I'm English, screwing over a Scots guy. Um, for for an American funded agency, yeah okay, <laughs> yeah. that would rack that injection. Yeah, it's put, putting her in prison and falsifying some sort of crime, uh, knowing he'll be scanning the airwaves and find it. Um. That implies he's sort of looking for her. Oh, look at that for a shit graphic. That's really bad. Cool. It's like he's typing at the end of an episode of Doogie Howser, MD. <laughs> Doogie Howser. And today we're I went on a date with Wanda or whatever she's called. We're not we're not ready to get physical with each other yet, so I'll carry on being I don't know, a doctor or some shit. Look at that for a terrible cover load of shots. All the shots look kind of strangely processed. It's like when back in the era of like everything being optical, where you had to put like effects on a shot, it would sort of soften and degrade what was already there because you had to do a sort of second, it was second generation. And everything in this looks like that. Like everything was added afterwards, and I doubt it was. It's got it. So this Billy Baird character makes absolutely no impact why do they keep shooting in with the camera like that, oh, look, that guy. We, his face is full screen we don't need to go in any closer I think it's it, like, well, the it, location so that's why not it, it may as well be crocodile dundee it might be yeah there's a film i've not seen for a few years no yeah likewise that film wouldn't get greenlit now. 
No. <laughs> it's not a film to think about, really. Because it's only, it's only really like a film... I mean, it, it's basically sort of like the Australian equivalent of Keith Lemon the movie. Yeah. But with a bigger budget and... And it was massively successful. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike Keith Lemon the movie. Oh, God, that's terrible. Put it in I've the bin. seen it. Oh, you don't want to? I don't really. It's offensive. Well, I mean, I saw, I saw that, I saw the poster, and like Kelly Brook was on it, and like Kelly Brook is stunningly beautiful, but her being in a film is not a suggestion it's going to be great. So, <laughs> you know, it, it did have one joke that made that made me like laugh, and um, right. and it was just literally just a brief uh, shot of a coach going to Leeds, and and on on on, on of it, it, said, it just had to Leeds. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that, that was that's, it. That's a northern joke. Leeds. Yeah, to Leeds. Oh look, it's the nineties satellite. Uh-huh. That we saw in Tomorrow Never Dies. This long look at him with the. Oh, he's just, just he's just like okay. A... Do 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 like do like sort of like lustful but sadistic. That's what it is. It's like try and look evil while. But he obsessed. Calvin Klein advert. Yeah, it could be. And you Calvin can you look like you're vaguely Audrey Hepburn turning up somewhere. See, I, I, I think that's what she's going for with with the with the scarf. Why is the Australian guy like wearing like a big heavy jacket and a hat? Like, surely he'd be roasted in this weather. I know he should be wearing a hat with a load of corks on it because he is that. <laughs> <a big guy. laughs> They're not that far apart. Why is it taking taking them a week to fucking catch <laughs> each other? See, it's like that scene see in, he, um... he looks like he's having like a really intense wank. That's what I know. Is she there yet? It's like a long time to get there. It looks like he's at that stage where you've locked on. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no turning back now. Yeah. You are going to But you're not actually firing. It's just the point where you get a bit serious. He's at that stage. Oh, got it all over your scarf. Sorry, dear. <laughs> I was gonna sort of gonna make like sort of like a pearl necklace joke there, but <laughs> if this was filmed by like a normal fucking director, it'd be about forty-seven minutes long, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> we've had thirty-eight minutes so far for I reckon about half that in actual like proper film length. Yeah, I think I'd know why this film dragged when I first saw it at the cinema. Like it just seemed like it just took ages to get to the action. Yeah. It does. It's all that stuff about uh, Anthony Hopkins. Well, uh, you know, when he's rock climbing at the start, yeah, it's awesome as like a feat of he's doing it, but all the excitement's taken out of it by throwing slow mo in and like whip pans and crash zooms and shit. And and nothing's more cinematic than seeing a a bunch of sheep in the background. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've got to make, you know, best use of our location. I don't know. They've just made another Shaun the Sheep movie. It's going to be released cinematically, Chris. Can't see why you do rag it on sheep. <laughs> Some random farm that. somewhere. Looking forward to it. Should be good. What would you... So you're running up like a sheep farm in the middle of nowhere and someone comes up to you or rings you or maybe t- even turns up on the door looking fairly wealthy and they explain they want to use your farm for location in a Mission Impossible film. Yes, please. You would wonder what the hell that scene's going to be. 
<laughs> Somebody flashes the cash in your face, you'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Christ almighty, she's turned up on a boat that's about 10 yards from where she stood, and it's taken them half an hour to get inside. <laughs> I, I've just spotted that, like, that piece of work, which is that painting, which is just a, a painting it's of a boat. boat. Yeah, I'm like, why would anyone fucking pay money for that? Which, what, on the wall there? Yeah, I, he probably I did it himself. I can't quite see it. I haven't seen it focus yet. <coughs> is it literally what is it? Is it painted to look lifelike or what? I've seen it. No, it's just like a, a painting of a rowboat, it's not, just, yeah, not particularly black interesting. And white monochromatic painting of a boat, which is, you know, it, it looks like something you would have done for a GCSE art project. Not particularly art, I don't think. You didn't see the quality of my art. Well, it's hardly Michelangelo. She's been awesome. More like active. Beverly D'Angelo. More like Beverly D'Angelo. The character of Luther, do you think he gets less fashion... can't speak. Fashion-centric? Fashion-obsessed? I don't know. I mean, yeah, he always looks very smartly turned out. He, but he, he's very much um, a clothes horse. Well, I've got my shoes, you know, my coat. Oh, Becca's well saying, do you sense it lessening? Oh, right. Um, yes, in the last film or so. He seems to be a bit more practical. Yeah, I mean, he still looks immaculately turned out. He looks very well dressed, but doesn't script-wise. <laughs> he's more hands-on, isn't he? I, yeah, I, I guess he just got. Maybe fed that's up. his character arc. I, I guess he just got fed up with like people shooting at his Versace. <laughs> yeah. Looks, Doug Ray Scott looks vaguely stoned there. He does a little bit, doesn't he? He's a bit more no expression in this face, more no expressive. What's the guy you put? Dominic West. He always reminds me a little bit of Dominic West. Oh yeah. From the world. just a little bit, you know, just a general layer. Not they, they're hardly like identical or anything. What was he in recently? What did I see him in? I only really know him from the wire. Although he's turned up in a few other things. He was in Tomb Raider last year. Tomb Raider, that was it. Mm. Which is probably the first time I've thought about that film since Chris asked me on a summer review what I thought of it. <laughs> I thought about it. That since. filmed there it with the you know. They have, I think, I think they've, they think they have greenlit a sequel now. Oh, I hope so. Oh, to Tomb Raider. I don't mind. The, the, the first one didn't particularly offend me or anything. Mm. I'd watch another one, but there's but. It's one of the as video game movies go. Be, I think that was probably what, it's not amazing, but it's one of the better ones. Needs to be better than that, though. Oh no, definitely. Fun fact about Dominic West: when spent four months as a cattle herder in Argentina in 1988, trying to as be different. Sorry, he spent four months as a what? <laughs> I was just looking on IMDb to see what else he'd done. What? So trivia, do you know? Once spent four months as a cattle herder in Argentina in nineteen eighty. Right, I thought you said cat- trying to be different. I thought you said caterpillar. I thought it's the oddest fucking <laughs> cosplay of Colin, all time. He went abroad and dressed as a caterpillar for four months. Sorry, no cattle, cattle herder. herder. All right. <laughs> Just as one well caterpillar. For- Oh that was Daniel Day Lewis or something. He'd just be preparing for a thirty-second scene. Yeah, he'd just be doing preparing. I lived for over there for five years and. I've become a caterpillar. I should become a beautiful butterfly. 
See, Richard Roxborough here, I just he just reminds me so much of Sean Pertry. Yeah, he does. I've never seen it before, but you're absolutely right, even the hairstyle. And the funny thing is, uh, in a series of cold feet from a year or two after this, they shot a load of stuff in Sydney, and Sean Pertwee was in those scenes on the, on the waterside, you know, looking out the window and stuff. It, it, it's almost a similar location. It's reminded me of somebody else as well, but I can't think who. Not immediately. Not Wurzel Gummidge, is it? Not Wurzel Gummidge. That picture from the reboot of it is fucking freaky. The, the reboot of Wurzel Gummidge? I've shared it on our chat thread before. Yes, yeah, it's, it's oh, oh, I'm going to have to look this up. Sorry, I've completely Ma- forgot. Mackenzie Cook. Yeah, Mackenzie Crook's in it. Mackenzie Crook, Wurzel Gummidge. Just look that up on an image search and you'll see it immediately. Okay. Not quite the same. Not quite the same. Not necessarily wrong, but just different. Yeah. Very different and not attractive to look at different. I know he's not exactly a looker anyway, but it's quite unpleasant to look at. Sex lies a potato, man. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that film. He's done Pirates of the Caribbean, The Office, and he'll be forever known as being in the film called Sex Lights with Potato Man. What the fuck? Yeah. Chris is now... That is the moment live where Chris saw <laughs> the crazy Yes. Yeah. So it's awful, isn't it? Don't mean the end result will be awful. Doesn't mean in live action it won't look okay, but just as a still photo reveal... For a couple of episodes they filmed for like Christmas or something, it looks horrendous. Uh, I think that's gonna be fucking shit. Yeah. I think he's written and directed it as well. There's oh, no oh, 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 oh definitely be shit though. If it's like yeah. before Christmas, it would just be fucking. Yeah. Gibbicky as fuck and bringing back something that needs to If anyone in another country don't know what we're talking about, the third doctor. Uh, in Doctor Who was John Pertwee um, I know him best though because when I was a very young child he played uh, uh, he played basically a sentient scarecrow called Wurzel Gummidge that's based on a series of books um, he was in love with a sort of a doll mannequin called played by uh, called Aunt Sally who was played by Una Stubbs who's like the housekeeper in the BBC Sherlock series now and it ran for two or three series. I think they did some in Australia a few years later, and so on. So it's a little part of my childhood. I don't really mind things being remade, though, because like, why other generations should have a crack at it? But if you look up Wurzel Gummidge, I think it's spelled Wurzel, W-O-R-Z-E-L, Gummidge, double M. Um, you'll see the John Pertwee version and Mackenzie Crook, who was um, Gareth in The Office, which is basically, if you compare it to the American one, it's Dwight in that version. And we, he just—he's remade Wurzel Gummidge, and it looks awful. Just looks awful from the picture. Still, I mean, a lot of people design. do have fond memories, you know, because of John Pertwee and because of how he, you know, interpreted the role. I think that's, you know, it's something new, and certainly, you know, it. people like, like yourself who grew up with it, and kind of something that I had. Yeah, but most people in my most people in my position get, oh, don't remake it and get all precious about it. And it's like, well. It's been 35 years or so. There's nothing wrong with doing a new version. It's just as a design that that really, really took me. And they might be closer to the books. You don't know. So, or they might do things different, take things in a different way. Now it may not be much like Bond, but I still expect the camera to the the head the um, 
binoculars to train in on like money penny on me day. Get, get your ass in gear come on blue get a wiggle on yeah just like old times that film's crap <laughs> <laughs> oh dear what was that big crash you dropped what there I dropped my phone oh Oh, it's not so it's one of those days. It's quite, it's quite hot. It's experiencing a heat wave here in the UK. It's quite hot. Also, it's a bit of a pain because I've just got like, a new cover for my phone, but it's kind of got like a kickstand as well. Um, careful. Um, so it doesn't sit flat. There's a bit, a little bit raised up, but it's got a stand. So, uh. but when I drop it, it didn't break. So yay! Brenton Gleeson always looks about the same as well. Yeah, he doesn't change even now. Like, well, not now, but when he's in the Harry Potter films, or I mean, basically, Ving Rhames slowly puts weight on. That's about it. But like, yeah, not that different. Do you think his uh, his son will like just? Suddenly, um, just so, like, yeah, we're doing all the things. Do, do, like do you think he'll he'll look the same for about like ten, twenty years, and all of a sudden just like put on a load of weight, just look like just like his dad? <laughs> That's what he'll turn into. <laughs> Fifty years time. Oh well, yeah, they don't they don't look alike, do they? I don't know. They're both ginger. They got that. They all look the same to me, he says as he accidentally (laughs) beds Steve Davis. (laughs) Instead of that, like, pretty redhead he's dated. See, what is with them, like, sort of zooming to the eyes? That's what I've been saying since the start of the film. The camera just, like, every now and again randomly goes in, like, a few weeks. Looks fucking stupid. It's quite obnoxiously made, and scenes scenes are going on too long. And Tom Cruise is almost too still in this film. Every time the camera's on him, his head isn't fucking moving at all. Yeah, like so, the the camera tends to move around Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like surely he no- he noticed like what are you putting behind your back there? It's whole fuck yeah I know that was so fucking obvious. The fact her trousers fucking moved about three inches as well was a bit of a giveaway. At this point of the film, I'm struggling to remember what the action sequences are because the film's just got no momentum in it at all. So it's like I can't think what's coming next because this there's just kind of, is, isn't. There's, there's a lot more it. between action scenes now. Like in, in the more recent films, it's kind of action, 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 action. I mean, yeah, it's all very well paced. Mm. Whereas here, they're kind of there's a bit of a gap, more of a gap in between. So a bit more kind of it's all labyrinthine it, plotting. It, it kind of sort of it, it kind of just all comes like at the end. Really? Yeah, it's like, let's have this epic car chase. 
It's the um, license to kill. Clutches. But obviously not quite. I, I, yeah, I just think of, like the the location scouting in this film isn't isn't really on point. There's, really, there's there. very little inventiveness in any of the sort of shot making outside, is there? Mm. And no, that not really. could just be poor location scouting. And now you think, because Macquarie said that he said if you go to people and say, right, I want to do an action sequence that's got X, Y, and Z in it, they'll come back with a load of very practical but bloody ugly locations. He said so. If you just get them to show you the whole scope of an area, you can design something around it. You pick a nice location first that's got a little bit of variation to it that you can design something around. It's one way to do it. I've never known it that way. I've never seen anyone else ever describe it that way. But it, it's interesting when you actually look at this film and just go, you did nothing with your location. There is a certain style of sort of grain in the film stock of this and the colour saturation that's very of its time as well. I do think a lot of what dates a film pre-digital is when its film stock comes from. Because the 60s yeah. Bond films, I think they used much lusher, more expensive, lavish film stock than they did in the 80s because the 80s films just never, ever looked as good. Even when they were new, they didn't look as good as the 60s ones. I can't believe how long this scene's going on for as well. Yeah, it's a really long scene. It's meant to be tense, you know, for the changeover and stuff, but they're cramming in a load of exposition. I don't think this is the place to do it. Oh, God. She should yeah. know this by now. She should have gone to him knowing this. Yeah, it's, it's, because it's that would have made her mission that much more unpalatable for a start. Yeah, it, it should have been something when when uh, she turned up to Sean Ambrose and um, Ambrose would have like shown her like, something like that, or or even you know the the should you choose to accept this angle to it, it's like mm. what she's got to do is really unpalatable because look what a monster he is. Mm. She's finding this out now, and it's just not. It's not really working. Uh, this guy is, is just wasted. Richard Roxburgh's uh, better than this, better than this film. I'm trying to think what else he's been in apart from... Um, I know Van Helsing. Van Helsing, Moulin Rouge. There's another one. Moulin Rouge is what I know him best for because, like I say, my, my girlfriend of that era adored Moulin Rouge. So in the last literally few months of our relationship, I saw it quite a few times because she really <laughs> loved it. Um, and for the role he was meant to play it worked really well mm, definitely, I think he put on a playing accent for that as well and so Van Helsing was all I didn't get through Van Helsing, it was so bad um, I, was I didn't watching, get through the Royal Universal because it was quite I, scary I was watching, yeah but that could be this is you Becca, it was probably a teacup ride or something <laughs> you're not the hardest core on these things I know no. <laughs> but Van Helsing, I, I I was watching Kate Beckinsale in it, and it and it and she on I honestly th you just thought it was a comedy film. Oh, what a shame! It's it's really not very good. Looking at what else he's been in. Yeah, what's he up to now? Is, is he maybe with Wes um, Bentley, and not being famous anymore? <laughs> As in that guy who was in that film. 
See, I got a bit confused because I thought he was in. But you can't deny he looks good. Oh, he was in Hacksaw Ridge. I don't remember him in it, but Hacksaw Ridge was very, very good. I don't think I've seen that one. Is that one of all the westerns? No, Hacksaw Ridge is a World War Two film with Andrew Garfield in it, directed by oh, Mel Gibson, well. which is possibly why you avoided it. But it's um, it's excellent. Well, he plays a he plays a he plays a conscientious objector who goes to war anyhow. So he's so he's on the battlefield completely unarmed as a medic. It's a true. It's based on a true story. It's oh. It is. It is a really remarkable story. It's, it's a great film. It's a really good film, Becky. You won't regret it. I'll check it out. Um, and with knowing your sensibility, some of the uh, battlefield stuff, I think, as I recall, is a bit bloody. But okay. if you get past that, you'll be all right. Thank you. Right. Yeah, he also played M in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think I got. Now I've only seen that. Through that once. And I was like, is, ah. is, is is M a reference to the same thing? I think so. As in Bond. See, I I've think so. That. I think if not, it's... that film. I mean, those are the two films in a row. He went from the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen to Van Helsing to Stealth. What a triple! Oh God! The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen basically sent Sean Connery into retirement. That's how bad it was. Horrible experience. It was directed by Stephen Norrington, who did the first Blade, and apparently oh. he, was a, he was a nightmare on the set. They all hated him. And Sean Connery was always a bastard to to people he thought were idiots, and he thought Norrington was an asshole. Yeah, I think Connery was retiring anyway, though, wasn't he? Was he was, he was he close was. to? <laughs> I'm not sure if he decided that. I don't know if he decided that at that point. But yeah, I think he did. Um, I think he did some voice work once afterwards. Mm. That was it. No, twice because he did the From Russia with Love video game, which was really odd because you had a young Bond with an, a, a relatively old post sort of throat nodules. <laughs> uh, Sean Connery voicing it. His voice didn't sound the same, but. I like the idea of a period Bond video game, though. Even if you made it unlike any of the current Bonds, if you had a video game continuity with a different mm. Bond, one you designed, and had that between the films, and every now and again the Fleming Foundation put out a book, and they were consistent on the era they did them in as well, and maybe you had three different continuities for three different audiences, and the film one was like modern day with whoever is Bond at that point. I think yeah. that would be really good. You, you could do like a Netflix series of 60s Bond, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah they've got to be careful though because they wouldn't want to devalue the films and putting it on TV is a bit awkward. But so I'm just wondering, could you do that as a video game? But would video games set in the 60s sell? I don't know. Um, yeah, I wonder what the figures were for the From Russia of Love game that Connery did. Mm, no idea. Probably not very high. Let's have they, didn't own, they didn't own um, Spectre back then, so they had to call Spectre Octopus in it. Yeah, that was I've never played it. I've seen I've seen footage of it though. It's quite good from what I remember. I, I played, it, played it back games. in the day. So um, I quite enjoyed Bloodstone. Mm, I I did up to a point. Some of the cutscenes were a little bit, I don't know, a bit harvested. Um, the, the problem is they turn into shooters and it doesn't work yeah. with Bond because Bond does kill people, them. but he doesn't walk onto every site and kill 150 people. You know no, what I mean? I thought a bit like that with the Quantum of Solace game. I think that's yeah. kind of where I, I fell off and then obviously he had... Um, 
one of the worst sort of budgety games ever made. It was a bit dodgy. Um, but then, like God and I put onto the but Wii, it needs that some was, inventiveness. Really good fun with that one. It needs some inventiveness. It needs someone to say, right, let's just uh, either you do go with the current Bond and you have him voice it because Craig voiced Bloodstone, but he didn't voice anything afterwards. It was different, no. um, and it didn't even sound like him. It wasn't even an impression. It was someone with a much lighter voice and younger. But um, or you do say, let's design a Bond that's like the literary Bond. Do one that looks like that Daily Express comic strip or something. Do yeah. that. And, you know, and, and just have a separate continuity that's the films and set, mm. it, and, and set the games in a different era. So they're not treading on each other's toes. So you do have Bond having to go find a post office to send a telegram. There are no mobile phones, that sort of thing. Just yeah. an idea. And you could have, like, people after him and that and... You can't send. You can't set the films period because Bond then becomes a complete tribute act, mm. and you're basically saying he's got nothing to say today. So uh, you can, once you go sixties with Bond, you'll never come back from that, and the series will die slowly. Uh, but you could do it in video games. Yeah, I, get well, what you're I think you know, especially as a large section of the Bond fan community crying out for a decent new Bond game, and yeah, that might be the way to go. Yeah, well, decent. They've been waiting, getting on for a decade. Yeah, they definitely. Well, certainly, arguably since Golden Eye '64. How did everyone feel about that? Everything or nothing? Oh, that was great. That was a great game. I didn't play it, but that I was like that. another. I've I, no, actually, no. I've played some of it on a demo or something. I played the first couple of scenes, and I've watched a bit more. Of that it's like, it's like Brosnan's unofficial fifth entry. It was, yeah, and it was really good. I really enjoyed that game. Maya was, was like the one with doing. Well. That was the one with Willem Dafoe, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, as um, a, a devilish sounding name. That was the one. No, he is really good as well. Um, yeah, that one, um, Agent Under Fire and Nightfire. Um, but like, yeah, it's kind of like yeah. unofficial like movie star game. I played the I played the Golden Eye remake as well, which was basically Craig substituted in, and all the character designs done differently. Yeah, that was a bit. Mm. But no, that was good fun though because you could go and play Craig. classic scenes like from Goldfinger, Moonraker as Craig. So that was no, that, that was Legends. That was Legends. Oh, the Legends of Legends. Yeah. Legends yeah. Gold, Gold, Goldeneye was kind of. Gold. Oh yeah, Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah, they put it on so we that. No, that was quite interesting. Um, so, so, sorry to interrupt, but if 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 Tom's there, then who's this? <gasps> who's this? I'm on. Oh no, what's going on here? Yeah, I I, I was actually amazed how like they just knocked off um, sort of sent. Um, Brendan Gleeson to sleep with gas where they actually have like nasal specs it's like why don't you just fucking release it in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're emitting, you're delivering something directly to his lungs <laughs> but you're going to gas the room anyway in which case the slightest fucking gap in it or fluid <coughs> you'll end up getting gassed as well you pillock No, I, well, no, to be fair, because usually with that, there's, you don't normally cut to an auction thing and you'd have to have to release I'm it some way. I'm, I'm watching this, wondering if Tom Cruise thinks Doug Ray Scott's a shit actor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Watch him in this scene and you're going, you don't think Doug Ray Scott's very good, do you? Because this is your impression of him. <laughs> Look at it. This is the worst Tom Cruise has acted in like anything for years. 
Uh, but it, but he's actually doing a good job of his character. <laughs> yeah, he's lost all Tom Cruise's like ticks and visual style at all. And then this is horrific. I don't dislike this actor, but this is terrible. And it's totally out of place in this type of film as well. It's like, oh, how, how do we carry on the masks? Well, it, it belongs in a melodrama. And he's he's giving it everything, isn't he? He's like, oh, I was in love, but I was broken. But yeah, I'm evil. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. I've, I've got this uh, X-Men film coming up, so... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> right. Just get just get through this. Stardom awaits, <laughs> and we we can't know for certain, but it looks really promising. That guy from the Usual Suspects, John Luke Picard's in it, and I get to play like uh, that Wolverine role. Everyone seems to like that. Everyone's like oh, anticipating I get to that. Play the real, I'm the lead. The, the fan favorite character. The stories from my perspective. It's going to be amazing. What what's that, John? Another delay? Um, really? <laughs> I mean, you can't guarantee a different actor would have had the same impact. No. I mean, I I find it hard to believe the X Men suddenly would have flopped if you'd stuck Doug Ray Scott in it. So I suspect there would have been an ongoing franchise, and X Two would still have been a really good film and stuff like that. Whether you'd have got to the point that he'd have been so iconic that they'd have been like a clamour for stuff like Logan later mm. on, that's more of a stretch because you, you you're going on sixteen, you know, seventeen years or so from the original. So we don't know that he would have been as successful, but certainly that original X Men trilogy would have probably been as successful. And yeah, he would have played an iconic character, and he he, he may just have nailed it i can't see anyone else in that version but then hugh jackman's version is not the comic book version so it's not like he was born to play that character now we're getting into mission impossible right time they did it's about time they did some impossibling. I'm going to break into somewhere which will turn out to be fucking irrelevant cause, because the bad guy is just going to break in. Can I just... stand in front of a thin shaft of light so my eyes show up? Excellent, yes, thank you. That, that is pretty nice, really cool. to be fair. That's a cool shot. You don't see many shots like that these days. That's another kind of very 90s... 2000s. Well, it's kind of part. Of part of, it's kind of part and parcel of that projection thing, isn't it? You know, when you're like standing yeah. in front of a, a projection screen. And you... Here's Tom looking all. Yeah, so cool. Having a quick look at the set of Mission Impossible Three, bit of a preview there. Yes. <laughs> Seeing what we'll be doing a few years down look, the line. Look, looking a little bit dark night before it's time, but... Yeah, yeah. see? 
This film is very pathetic in all kinds of ways. Probably, probably the mm. most scenic shot in the film. Yeah. It really makes use of location as well. Well, apart from the racing well, all, scene. All we've, been, all we've been looking at is sort of browns and tans and like heavy sun. Mm. Just just for variation, it's nice to be at night and presumably yeah, a little bit cooler. The nighttime scene looks really beautiful. And you've got the view of the bridge as well. It's really kind of using these iconic locations. I I I always think I think it's amazing when like people like are, are, are shouting things at each other when they're in a helicopter. Truth is, you wouldn't hear a fucking thing. No, no you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Like it going out, yeah. <clears throat> oh, rainy. Oh, that looked that looked green screen as fuck. It did. I'm doing a little bit of acrobats. Christ, that guy there looking out at him is what happens when George Clooney and Ewan McGregor fall in love. Oh. <laughs> it's like a strange amalgam of the two of them. It's not... Oh, look at that. What an athlete. I think they should slow it down to take some frames out because it will just look that much more natural and amazing. What, just, just to make sure that we... Uh... We see it. Yeah. See, what would actually happen if if they were too late getting out? Wouldn't they just sort of like? Would it just? Would he just release the thing anyway? It's not Langley, is it? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like everything is that censored or anything. You know, censors everywhere. No, I don't know. None of this bit of the film makes that much sense from him having the flashbacks to things he never saw and imagining this, you know, great regard for a guy he didn't really know that well to refute not being able to get Tandy now, Newton out, even though all they've got to do is run right beside each other for about 15 feet. None of this is that well thought through. Excuse me. And there's uh, Becca's review of the film. <laughs> yeah. All the scenes are too long and none of the action has been thrilling yet. And about and they're about very soon to go into an absolute like ton of action for the last part of the film. That's really stylized and slow-mo heavy. And this is quite not, cool, knocked apart, Knocked into a cocked hat by all the stuff that follows in the rest of the series. It's all right, it's just all very long-winded. Because there aren't sections to it and loads of them doing lots of different things. This is just Tom being awesome for five minutes. He's always awesome. The, the thing that slightly irks me is, like, is the mission, like the main set piece of, uh, of like, you know, the, the break-in mission type thing, isn't that much impossible. It's just like, well, you've you got one, one stunt and then oh. that's it. That's it. That's the point. There's not much to this. There's, it seems to be a trope to come in via the roof, and that's explained in later films and here actually to a degree. It's like they don't mm, want to encounter people, people. But I've worked out what the difference is. Why wasn't this Ethan Hunt? Tom Cruise barely smiles in this film at all. Barely. 
Ethan, there's a lot more lightness and levity about Ethan in every other film in this series. He does shit in green grin at the start of the film, which is less smiling and more just Tom Cruise being irritating, which he did a bit in this era. He did it in Vanilla Sky as well. And for the rest of the film, he's just looking like he's constantly getting bad news. Yeah, he's really serious. Mm. But also, not only that, like you know, he, he breaks in, he does that one one thing, shiny floor. and it's kind of like for nothing because it's like if, if the old aim was like, oh, I, I won't, you know, break in anywhere, and um, so so no one gets uh, harmed anyway. Well, is the bad guy just shows up and just kills up all the security anyway? So it kind of feels a bit yeah. redundant. So you kind of feel like he's, you know. It's kind of failed in that regard. No, no, yeah, this is, uh, yeah. I, I always think you, you're very unwise to spend too much time looking at an actual mm. computer screen because nothing will date a film faster. Never mention the specs. So when Natalia turns up in Goldeneye and actually says what computer she wants, cut that. It's already going to look a little bit dated because she's going to be on a cathode ray monitor and stuff. Yeah. But can slow down the effects of all that by just not getting into specifics and do not show us the screen too much but all we're seeing here is screens it's dating it terribly you see if this was like Ethan now like the plan would be right we first first protocol we need to stop um uh Sean was it Sean Ambrose. Ambrose, yeah, we need to stop Ambrose from from getting in and, and harming anyone. That'll be his first thing, as well as get getting there. So there'll be that. That would be like the thing to make it more complicated to kind of like delay Ambrose. Yeah. As well as getting in there and making sure that you know yeah. he's apprehended, or you know we've something got, like that. We've got too many lingering shots of Tom looking seriously at something. It's it's. This is I, I couldn't understand why this wasn't Ethan Hunt and I always thought it was because of the age Tom Cruise was and the biggest movie star in the world thing and aren't mm. I cool and everything playing like a commercial and all of those things are playing into it. But fundamentally, Ethan Hunt here has had a complete fucking sense of humor bypass. Well It's it's not the same character. Or they're 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 or they're framing shots of him looking Deeply serious and then lingering on him too long. Well, like how, it's not how yeah. Ethan is shot now. Ethan's got Ethan is serious about stuff and he's intense, but he actually smiles a fair bit during the film and he does enjoy like the team he's around and things like that. But how's this compared to say like the the first film? Because this... well, the first one he was trying to have a laugh at the table and stuff, wasn't he? It didn't really work. No, but like. <laughs> It didn't work, and it's still a different character because he was played so young in that. But this is just this just stands out from anything else. You almost need to take this one out and go straight from one to three, and then the ten year gap explains any differences. Because you think, well, that was a man in his early thirties, probably playing a bit mm. younger because it's Tom Cruise. So let's say that was a man in his early his late twenties. Let's say. And by three, you've got a man in his late thirties who tried, who was tried to settle down, and go into like more of a training and mental role. 
and you would you wouldn't say well it's a different character you would say it's an older character mm-hmm. but this film in the middle ends up like just leaving all the films look consistency and i don't think the change of director is a strength of this series at all they played it as like a trait of the mm. series each film will look and feel different because it'll be a different director i think it's the biggest weakness though i don't think it's a, it's a weakness because you've seen with fallout they still try to have that element of like the look and feel different. yeah but i mean the thing is macquarie was close enough to what brad bird did with the fifth one mm. you know what i mean and yes fallout does look and feel a bit different but it's still same cast and crew, same storytelling sort of style. I think th- four, five, and six feel of a piece, but one to four all feel wildly totally different from each other. Yeah, they are. I would agree with that sentiment. And I don't think it's a strength because you just can't get any handle on Ethan at all. And the thing is, as well, you might set up a thread like Julia or something. There's no guarantee the next director is going to come in with any interest in it at all. Yeah, they might just. And in fact, they sort of. Go different they were going to kill her off. It was going to be well, she's dead. Forget all that. So it was only Macquarie coming in and saying, "Well, that that doesn't work." But he actually said it's like killing off Newt in in Alien mm. Three. It does. It it it's a betrayal of everything we've just seen. As good yeah. as I, you know, he tried to. He then sort of backtracked with a few compliments to David Fincher, but he just said, you know, I can see why you do it, but it's not a good idea. And he's it's the same with this. You know, you set up threads. Next director comes comes in, not interested. It's I mean, not a it, it is, it, it is a good uh, aspect to um, Macquarie as a, as a storyteller because he does, he does pick up on these things. He does like sort of acknowledge the fact that you know, you know, betraying the audience as a thing, you know, and you, you know, regard even though it might make sense in one way, how it plays the audience. The audience didn't like that bit, and they didn't get it, and they felt betrayed, and it seems to bother him. Mm. He doesn't seem hurt by it. He's quite professional about the whole thing, but it is, it is. He's there to serve an audience. He's, and that's a lot of filmmakers mm. that seem to be there to further what they want to do rather than mm. about it being about who it's for. I don't think we know anything about the next two films at all yet. I'm just looking to see. If... No. They probably don't even know. Probably just sees their point. Like, give me, give me location. (laughs) Yeah, we. The only confirmations at the moment are Macquarie, Cruz, and Rebecca Ferguson. That's all we know. Yeah, probably throwing peg as well. Yeah. Do you think um, uh, Benji's ripe for uh, to be killed off at some point? I don't think they'll kill. If they do kill anyone, they'll kill them in the first of the two, probably, because I suspect there'll be a link between the two films. I don't know. Yeah, I think if they don't back them, they must be connected. I think probably it's more likely to be Luther because of the link to the first one. Yeah, been there longer. Yeah. Don't, I don't know. I, don't I, I think I don't think I don't though I think I think if they did Benji, that would tug at the heartstrings more. I think I think Benji's there to be light relief. If you if you suddenly make that all really hot mm. and heavy, you kind of yeah, it's not what audiences think they're getting from mm. Benji. You can put him in danger now and again, but you've got to get him out of it and you know almost like mollycoddle him a little bit afterwards, like because 
Benji's only really just about right for being in the field at all. I can't oh. believe how long this is going on as well. How long have we been in this, this right building? <laughs> I didn't realise with the sound on how fucking horrendously paced this film is. Not Wait. inconsistently, just fairly slowly. We got like, hands in a score, haven't you? Sort of keep blurting away. Ref- yeah. uh, you know, using that to take some gladiator. I can't believe how many sort of fairly close-ups we've had of Tom Cruise now. With the most expressionless faces, series of expressions he's done in his like entire career. And while Dougie Scott is just hamming it up, he's like, I'm the villain, so I'm gonna... You had a moustache, you would twirl it. I was, no, Becca, I was just about to fucking say that as well. Oh, sorry. We No, no, we, no, I'm just saying, like, obviously we're just like, we're just interlinked with that. Well, it is a little bit like they just ham it up a little bit, so. We're saying as Richard Rocks were, though. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Yes, I think they do need to make them films. Mm. Like the multicoloured reflective lights on his face, that was pretty cool. He's got a Vaseline moustache. He has. You can see where he had a shave that morning. Either that or he's been like... He's got a cold, he's got a bit of Vicks there. I had a plausible explanation for it, but it was pure filth. And possibly, <laughs> and possibly slander. Are you suggesting that that's his flavour saver? I am not familiar with that term, Chris. <laughs> but I might be implying felching. Right. See now, it's, now, now, it's see, now it's all I can see now. What I can see is Tom Cruise's sweaty <laughs> lip. Yeah. That's lubricant. Yeah. That's The thing is, that's makeup, though, isn't it? He hasn't sweated yeah. that. It's too uneven. Basically, it's a slight makeup mistake. And then you cut to her, and she's also in a stressful situation in the same physical environment. There's not a fucking bead of sweat on her look. So it's yeah, like, fine. who's fucking thought this through? If it was one shot on one day, if you if if you shot this theatre style, and it was like one take and that was it, then like fair enough. But all of this, the camera keeps going in on the face like that. But they've got to shoot this and set it up. Extreme close up. It lingers on faces for a long time. But without shooting them in any way that's, like, interesting. You think of how Leone used to, like, focus on faces. Tarantino's pretty good at it as well. But here it just feels inert. And for the film that's meant to be the ADHD sort of Mission Impossible film, this is actually playing as, with the exception of the first one, the slowest. Yeah, I think with like someone like Tarantino, or you know, you'd have like close-ups, and then you, you switch to the other one, wouldn't you? And you'd have like so it would just give this like tension, but you always have like an establishment, so you know where yeah. characters are at the time. Yeah. 
But you'll see it. You'll see it when we get to all, all the westerns. Um, yes. The <laughs> uh, All four of them. Think, see four of them. It would linger on faces, and just they would they would almost like be photographed like they're a landscape of their mm. own. Really lovely, but you know, not necessarily classically good-looking people. Even you know, people cast to be gnarly old cowboys. Do you know what I mean? Just bit, so much character in their faces. I don't know if it's for. I mean, I, I definitely wanted to do the Dollar Trilogy and Once Simon Once Upon a Time in the West, but. We could, if we're going to do Leone, we could. Um, I know he's done one or two others, and we could even do Once Upon a Time in America if you wanted. The trouble is that film is really long. That's about, that's, that's about four hours. Yeah, and I don't think it's worth being four hours. If you take Sergio Leone's name off it and replace all those name actors with nobodies, that film would be nothing. Yeah. It is It is a bit of a... It... It, it is a bit of a necessary long film, isn't it? It's like one of those yes, th- things yes. where, oh, we're going to do like Gone with the Wind. and. I mean, it looks lovely. It's really nice to look at. It's got a lovely score. Um, made stars of you know, very young, I think it's very young Jennifer Connolly and mm. things like that. And, you know, people like James Woods in it, where you don't see in those types of films very often. It's it, There's lots to be interest, entertained with in it, but it, it's just it is too long it's way too long when you actually break break down what happens two episodes maybe it also um, it struggles with the thing of you don't you tend not to like the people in it so you do struggle there's no hook whereas you really feel the family in the godfather and you have some regard for them regardless Mm. Um, my problem Becca is not how long the show would be it's the prep it's the prep I mean, we've all we've all got to commit to watching four hours of that and then reading a bit around it and all the rest of it as we do. I definitely. I mean, Once Upon a Time, the West is a long film, but it's just magnificent. I love it. Have you seen any of them? Have you seen the Dollars trilogy or Once Upon a Time in the West? No. No, I've seen I've seen the first film, um, but then I thought, oh, should I wait till we cover Fistful the series? Yeah. Fistful of Dollars is really basic of all of them and it's the cheapest looking as well it's probably the one yeah, that's been just... remade in some degree isn't it because even like, License to Kill is kind of loosely based on that that's your Jimbo yeah but it's you've got um, you, the thing with it is as well is all the dialogues are effectively ADR because he can hardly speak English so people are just mouthing whatever yeah, so the limp thinking's hilarious and the other thing is uh, Morricone wrote recorded the music first so they were playing the score to the film on the set Mm-hmm. and things like that which is just a real interesting way to do it but if there's one thing about Leon it's just the way he shoots fa- he shoots faces which sounds filth I know but no it's just really there's just mm-hmm. something about the way he treats the face as a landscape that I, no other director seems to do that I can think of I have to do a bit of reading around westerns <coughs> as well I don't know too much of the sort of traditional westerns because I don't really like John Wayne very much um so I'm aware that the spaghetti westerns are deconstructing something, but I'm not really sure what they're deconstructing, if you know what I mean. Mm. But I do, lo- I do love them. And Once Upon a Time in the West is beautiful and a deceptively simple story. And not only that, if you watch something like Twelve Angry Men or something, that's he- that's what Henry Fonda used to play, and then he turns up as a complete <clears throat> fucking nutcase in in Once Upon a Time in the West, but still with those like baby blue eyes and stuff it's it's just amazing just amazing counterintuitive casting and Charles Bronson without the moustache 
which looks odd because we're so used to seeing him mm. with it. Basically playing Clint Eastwood's role. Oh, finally, they're at the fucking building. Right, hopefully something will happen there. <laughs> and we are into the final act now. It's, it, well. The average like, look like, we need an action scene. Well, what location can we shoot at? Oh, here, th- this will do. Some rocket, rocket in the middle of nowhere. We're out of the way. That'll be perfect. It's a kid's adventure camp over there. Do it there. Yeah. What, like, do like a hot fuzz and just sort of like, you know, sort of... Have have a oh, shootout in, in uh, you know in, in crazy golf or somewhere. <laughs> I never I never grasped how slow this film is. I know basic it is. I can actually see the three act structure like perfectly now. Yeah, you really can. It's like third act literally just started there. And actually, the way you break a film down, that's about right. Looking at the clock, it's roughly where it should be. But yeah. So little's actually happened. Possible twenty years. Tom Cruise running. Go on, you can do it. All the cuts are in unnecessary the wrong place. backflip. Look at that, yeah. And slow it down, and really, you know what I mean. Take any tension out of it. Take any momentum out of it. Cut away at the wrong time, so punches have no impact. I mean. I keep hearing what an action master John Woo is, and yet he's just done everything to sabotage every shot in that little sequence. Like, you could take someone who'd never made a film before and mm. they couldn't fuck that up any more than he just did. Uh, interesting time for John Woo. It's like, uh, I don't know, I don't know what, what don't know what went wrong with him. But, you know, he did deliver some greatness. Like, if you watch Hard Boiled, there is like uh, that. It, it ends with like uh, this basically massive like uh, shootout in a in a hospital. But uh, and there's this this thing. There's a shot where you have like two heroes and the, and the cameras just like follow them, and it's just all like one shot, yeah. one tracking shot. Yeah, awesome. Is he better when they've got guns in their hands? Is, could that be it? He's doing a lot of hand to hand fist fighting and stuff here. With it. It's not that good. The the dynamics of people interacting with each other is not the same as like bullets flying, is it? Yeah, I th- I think it's probably just part part parcel of, you know, the the difference between Hollywood and Hong Kong or, or Asian cinema. Um, you see, you've watched you've watched something like Hard Boiled, which yeah. is probably his his most westernized kind of film. It it, it just you know you, you do get the full benefit of it. Uh, the killer is probably a bit more cheesier, but it is probably more full on uh, Asian cinema. But it's still some like interesting, like interesting, like um, concept, um, and some interesting visuals as well. Because you got like the the main premise of that one is you got like a hitman who uh, does a job but ends up blinding like this innocent girl who's like who's like a singer at this at this club has a crisis of conscience and sort of decides to sort of start funding her treatment but she doesn't okay. know but she doesn't know because she's like well blinded from it but all she knows is like a mysterious this mysterious guy who's like now now a friend who's like helping her through this treatment but yet she's like traumatised by the image of like the killer like this killer who blinded her but she has no idea this is the killer isn't yeah it? so it's like so it has that as concept so it's some of that 
some of that is sounding familiar. It's like when I said to you, there's a possibility mm. I've seen the killer, but it's it's not strong enough. I've got a really good memory, and I tend to remember things I've seen, even if I don't remember everything about it. Mm. You don't get a lot of don't knows from me, so don't know. I think tends to be probably not but I've read enough about it and seen enough screenshots and possibly even a couple of clips that I, I feel yeah. like I might have done. Or you, or you just might have like heard someone else talk about it as well. It could be like... Well, yeah, maybe. and then a couple of screenshots, suddenly you think you've seen it. I don't think I've seen it because I'm more definite with a better memory when I have, but I keep hearing bits and pieces that sound familiar. So the plot's being explained here. He's basically mm. going to set off this... Uh, set off this Disease in downtown Sydney. Three million people. So there's no reason why why this can't be happening in a big building in the, in the in the business building somewhere. This could be happening in a much more um, much nicer Office. location. Yeah, yeah. Or something a bit more connected to where you are. I don't know. Perhaps it's because it's a virus. They want to be separated from it. I don't know. The idea of well, let's put them on an island that's a little bit remote, you know, but right by the city. I don't yeah, know. True. I guess there's that. I wonder how long it'll take for them to uh, make make more of the antidote. Because if anyone actually gets it. In the meantime, yeah, like, they just oh yeah. shit, and the oh, we we haven't got any. Yeah, spare. but it's going to take seven months, <laughs> and in fact, the, it's mutated slightly anyway. So we got to do a bit of research and development first. Oh, this slowing everything down just knocks the shit out of any of the oh, action. It's starting to grate on me now. It is it, it is because we're watching it about. Um, like sound. audio, yeah. Yeah. It was a problem with sound, to be fair, but it might be reduced as a problem. I'm not anti slow mo any time for any reason. I've seen films that have suddenly slowed down and showed us around something, not even as flashily as The Matrix. Mm. But you just sometimes you just need a bit longer to t- soak in a frame. Mm. But here it's for no reason, and it's taking all impact out of it. You think, well, it's what's, the what's the what's the point of like making an action film where you just neuter all the action? Is it, I don't know. It's kind of more of like a, a John Woo trope. But it's just like, well, if it's yeah. if, you know, if it shows you, I mean, maybe like with the with the Spanish dancers at the beginning of you know at the beginning of the film, um, they showed you a little bit more about I don't know the the, the dance steps themselves or like their, their outfits, their dresses, maybe. But just because it you know it's stylized. It was slowed substance. down to just stylize the moment boy meets girl. Yeah. But well, this is stylized so as it, fuck. Look at that. Looked, this is, yeah, this is His eyes are on That's fire. That's really cool. That's a cool shot. I hate that dog, though. That's terrible. That, that's another John Wee twope. That twope. Oh, no. Trope. Bebe, can't speak. But for a moment, I thought someone had made Bill Bigsby rather angry. <laughs> Not going to like him when he's angry. And they don't know what to do with Brendan Cleason, so you've just got him standing around looking concerned. Yeah. For just a little bit too long in every case, all of these things. Even if you kill him now, like why have you had him just sat there so long? Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was aiming for. Get on with it. 
I can't pass with Vespa. Which he typed in wrong in the film. Yeah, which made a spelling mistake. Yeah. Six letters. Because he started with the right one and it was the right number of letters, I knew what he was doing. So even when he got it wrong, I thought that was meant to be Vespa. And I got that on first viewing. Hmm. I thought, I, I, I don't always get these things, so I'm not trying to sort of suggest I do, but I remember well, that. Switched on. He typed, well, he typed in something that clearly started with a V and he hit six keys, and I thought, he's typed in her name. But I thought, I think he's got one of the keys wrong there, but I just he thought, made a typo. that's literally an error. That's literally an error in film. Yeah. That's one of those things, you know, they, they cut to the, the number pad and everything, that could be, like, that might not be the pad that he used, it might have been, like, a different one. I don't know. Shot. Later. You don't know. Yeah. But you should be thrilled by this, you know, the great John Woo making, you know, an English language mm. film entry in, like, a true Hollywood A-listers film one of the biggest stars hollywood has had in recent decades just came off facebook uh facebook face off not which, facebook no, no. uh fa- face um, off which was facebook a big movie. hit yeah and uh look how it's turned out i think part i think part part of it is just how neutered it is because it's it's just not this should be thrilling though. this should be a bit more rough around the edges like they should be afraid of blood and a bit more it, violent. It, it's it's too smooth. I feel, I've always felt a little bit remote from this film. Somehow, it's it's just not drawing me in. It's 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 performing in front of me. <laughs> it's really strange. It's a difficult thing to explain. It's always, you know, it's something you're, you're watching much more from a distance than you are the rest of the films. And I always thought it was the lack of character work again. That in the first film, we told a story with a coherently written character. We just didn't find out anything about him. With this film, there is no character. It's one guy looking stern and then occasionally stopping looking stern to be extremely heroic before going looking back to going back to looking stern again. And I always thought it was that, but looking at it, I think it's it's a bit too clean. I think three is as well, actually. I think it doesn't roughen up a bit till the fourth one. But it's really noted here, and all the shots are really over-designed, like there. Like there were, well, not just that shot, that one's clearly designed him coming through the door like that. But even the shot of the guy behind Doug Ray going out of style, out of um, focus and it coming in on, you know, all of that. Style. It looks like it's been storyboarded quite quite extensively. But as soon as you move, put it into moving action, all the pacing problems and slow motion and stuff kick in and ruin it. I will say this, uh, Follett, and, and the same goes for the other films as well. Whenever they do do the masks, you know, they always do a good job of like actors playing, other actors playing themselves. You... Yeah, and it's really subtle because they don't come in and do an impression, do they? I mean, they don't literally come in and do a, like, an impression. Yeah, like you know, uh, Richard Watts was there is actually doing Ethan Hunt, beat trying to pretend that he's Stamp, you know. Yeah. Yeah, really good. And uh, there's you know Brendan Gleeson just literally shitting himself. I've just cacked my pants. 
<laughs> what did Tom do there? Oh, of course he's playing Richard Roxburgh, isn't he? <clears throat> I thought, why did he just suddenly do that really wide-eyed bollocks? It's not, it's not Ethan Hunt. <laughs> he's there thinking, well, well, you know, you, you know, you, I'm, I'm your mate. You, I, you know, you cut my finger off before. Now, now you get shooting me. What? The... But we got over it. We moved on. We were chums. <laughs> But again, let's stretch out the mask reveal, even though we worked out who it was like fully twenty-five seconds just, ago. Just, just, yeah, just from the the. Thing. Well, the eyes gave it away, but obviously the finger really gave it away. Reaction shot of the screaming looks like a comic book panel. Yeah, it's storyboarded to death. This actually, you can tell. Yeah, you can kind of visualize, can't you? You can there uh, the height change. They sort of tried to mask it by going off a step at the same time, but literally Tom Cruise between two frames sinks three inches in height. Yeah, yeah. they kind of get away from doing the step thing though. Because he goes down one step, yeah, he nearly masks it. To be fair, I thought I spotted something wrong and slowed it down anyway. So I mean, I was looking for the error, but it's there, and actually, it's it's there in. If you take the step away, that would be worse. But apart from that, it's the only way you could shoot it and fuck it up. Because you literally cut to a slightly different camera just as he does it. It's it's, it's easy to get around. That guy has no impact in this film at all, does he? Well, the helicopter guy. Yeah, zero. Quickly down under. Well, he flies a helicopter. Yeah. He, he, else? Po- he probably it. says Struth. What the f- I mean, he's yes. meant to be the comic. He's meant to be the comic relief without any comic comic relief. No, they're only comedy or relief. <laughs> no. Here are the bikes. And the stuntman conveniently just lands on uh, a pile of compost and not some heavy. <laughs> I would be very interested if they did this as storyboards and, and or animatics. Because actually, if it's storyboards, we're seeing the limitations of it here because you can get all the beats of what's going to happen mm. and you can animate in that, you know, there's some doves behind him in that bit and stuff like that. Mm. And you can get the style of something, but you can't get the pace, you can't get the pace and flow of it. You would need an, you'd need an animatic for that. And, but surely see, if they've done this that, this does not look cinematic at all. This does not look cinematic at all. This is like look like it's just some park somewhere. Yeah, that could be done on TV quite easily. And I love the fact Luther just leaned back out the way about three inches to avoid being shot there. This is all. <laughs> I keep saying it, but it's like I can't believe this is somebody purported to be an action master. This this strikes me as, you know. Uh, hiring someone of sort of Nolan's ilk, but a million miles less fucking talent. Um, yeah, that stretching of the bike jump there looked silly as fuck. I think that was done in an early computer. And I'm sure I saw a t- shot that wasn't Tom then. But anyway. I d- this, is lo- this looks like somebody's never shot action before, but they're really keen and they're going to have a go. The thing is, though, like, John Woo did do, like, a bunch of TV work as well, like, it, o- over here. 
he 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 did a film with Dolph Lundgren like around the same time as Face Off as well. So I don't know. Maybe just like you just got accustomed to like how how America like shoots shoots, and he just like I don't know. Maybe he just lost his mojo. Yeah. If you watch one of his um one of his you know his his own films, um, but then kind of watch one of his more like Hollywood films as I'll call them. Um, you might notice, like, you know, especially you coming from your, you know, real um, action fan background, you would you notice a difference in like how they how they shot, how they you know how they put together. Um, there's a difference between like his Eastern and Western action movies, is what I'm trying to say. What in John You're Boos. asking the question. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of yeah, John Boos movies, obviously there's going to be a slight difference. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I asked a, before you answer that. I I did ask a variation of that question before, but I it had a different accent. I was sort of saying. What is it that made him work in the East and not in the West? Mm. But that's not the same question. We're li- you're literally asking for almost a bit more detail there. You say, well, actually, what are the differences? What is it that that even looks different? There's probably more inventiveness. Like, like for example, like you know, with Harbour, there's like the, the, that tracking shot. You know, it's like which is quite mm. ambitious. Yeah, uh, it's quite iconic now, isn't it? There's, you know, there's like. There's characters, you know, like as I said, with like you know the concept of the killer, you know, that's like that's like where the film starts, and already that's like an interesting idea. Uh, you've got um, a bad guy in Hard Boiled who is like, who's called Mag Dog, and he's it all counts like an absolute beast of beast of a badass, like you know, in terms of he's like a mad dog. of yeah, but he does have this have this thing like you know that 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 turns out halfway through the film where he he starts getting the he starts like getting like shouty at the other other bad guys when they start offing like innocence he's like no they have nothing to do with this you know cops fair game don't but don't you know sure and it's like it's kind of hang on that was that was a bit unexpected but you think so the little sort of elements Mm. you think hang on there's little variations and there's character, there's substance there. It's like, oh, I don't know, that's you know, he could have easily just been like a brute nature and just kill everyone inside, like all the other bad guys. But you know, there's a little subtle difference in there, and it pays off sort of at the at the end. And that there's just very different things, you know. There's like different style choices, different uh, shots, and and yeah, you wouldn't necessarily think they'd work necessarily in America. Just in terms of just different sure. sensibilities, but I think that's just what it where it is. It's just uh, I think it's just different different sensibilities playing, and I mean, it might be a thing when you go to a different country and you you start shooting and you start basically playing it safe because you, you you're not entirely sure your full way of of your or your full eye, should we say, is gonna work. So you just kind of like do what. You get, you kind of just play it, play it safe, and when, when you do, do you that, do what you know, sort of. Well, yeah, well, you just kind of play it safe. So you sort of take risks, or or you're assured that what you're doing is is working well because you're kind of like entrusting on on certain people, and really, it's just kind of uh, it's it's not working as well. You know, probably age as well. Maybe like you know, you just hit like a a, a point in your career in your career where you just kind of like. I know you run out of ideas, or you stop trying that often. I don't know. Um, it's hard for me to really say. Really, when you like look at films like Paycheck, and you just think, oh well, you know, that's that's no, literally just a guy picking it. But you know, um, 
I am meaning to sort of you know, rewatch a bit of Woo um, soon. So, but yeah, I, I would I, I would say that's probably more lines of just like just more Hong Kong style, more like inventiveness. You know, you you'll see like it's the tropes are all there, but it's night and day, and it almost kind of like fits in that sort of style of cinema. Yeah. In... Because he has to be better than this. If this had yeah. been like his standard all the way through his career. He probably wouldn't you know, be a filmmaker he is today. You might have a different appreciation for action films than me, Chris, but our tastes are actually not that far apart. We agree mm. more often than we don't. And honestly, you you are smarter than liking someone for whom this is would be his best work. Do you know what I mean? If this is what John Woo is capable of, you wouldn't be sat here going, no, John Woo's really good, I promise. Yeah. You'd be going, well, actually, it's a load of fucking stylized shite and it doesn't work most actually, of the time. Actually, you know, a film like his first film like in, in Hollywood, which was Hard Target, is way better than this. So, there yeah. you are. You know, and that 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 is Jean-Claude Van Damme. And that was, that's kind of like... That's saying something. Yeah, you know, yeah, but that's like... Um, you know that has elements of westerns, very stylized west, um, of like of a of the of like you know kind of like the lone gunman type sort of element in that, and there's they they, you know they deliberately evoke that with you know especially with like the, you know there's a scene at the beginning where you know he's in like a he always wears this like long sort of like coat type jacket you know like you see, you see in westerns and he pulls it back as almost if like he, you know he's gonna like sling for his gun but it's actually just a roundhouse kick. This is but the BMXing portion of the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll show you my trick, and you show me yours. And the way that that plastic in front of him is broken, that looks ridiculous. When it was shot out in the scene, it looked okay, but now it just looks like someone has just sat and like cut it, which they obviously have, and it doesn't look right. I think so. You just wouldn't do this. No. Imagine the bruising to your fucking heart and rib cage there. <laughs> it just doesn't work. See what they should have done. They should have just done like a, like a duel at uh, pistol points. They should have start firing the guns. Like driving each other firing the guns, mm. and both would have like been clipped. And that's what they should have done. Then like then they would have had like a big fist fight with you know wounded, wounded with gunshots in the shoulder or something like that. You know. That probably would have been a better way around it. Oh, rock to the face. There you are. But yeah, you know. Yeah, but we were talking about why did it get a 15 here, and I'm not saying it is that, but it would be something like that. Um, but yeah, hard, hard target is um, is is better than this. And, and, and they actually had like a bit of uh, you know commentary on like you no know, homeless situation and things like that. So there was as there's more stuff in it, and then, and the action's typically better. I think even like uh, Lance Henderson, who played the like the bad guy, and that was on record saying John Woo's like his favorite director to work for. Who said that? Uh, Lance Henderson. You know, Bishop in Aliens, that guy. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, he's... Lance he's, Hendrickson. Yeah. I think you broke up on that. I had to work out who, what you said. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. No, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Uh, um, but... the, the slowing it down here is not helping because Doug Ray Scott just hit him and obviously he didn't land the punch because they're acting. 
but because it was slowed down, you absolutely saw the punch being mm. pulled. And there's something, I don't know if we've already had it, there was a shot I noticed in review where Tom Cruise leans back slightly to allow himself to be sort of gripped and strangled or whatever it is that happens. And it's just totally, like, the slow motion's just ruined it. And it's oh, we're, we're wearing a jacket that looks like it's halfway through being tailored. It's like, I was just about to say, it's like we see shots of Sean Connery in with the tailor and they've, they're literally just trying it on. I don't even know what stage that is. I don't know why yeah. it looks like that. But that's what it does look like when you're sort of being measured for a suit. Yeah. Don't, I haven't got a clue what that is. I don't know if that's the suit you're buying and they have to do something with the lining. I don't know how it works. I think that's the kind of that's the way, um, where they make the little chalk markings um, where they know where to cut it and things like that, for example. And what measurements they need to make. If you've tailored a suit, write to us at expectustotalk at gmail.com. <laughs> That'd be good to know. Yeah. If you're from Savile Row or uh, equally fashionable tailors, let us know. Yeah. If you know what it is where the suit looks like it's covered in the markings you get on a football pitch, uh, <laughs> tell us why. Someone will know. Somebody out there will know. Particularly with our erudite listener base, which I'm sure are on Savile Row all the time. <laughs> This looks so slow, look. Oh, and to- that was it. Doug Ray Scott was already falling back long before he got he kicked. Was. They'd slowed it down so much that all you're doing is like showing the seam of seam of the stunt. There. Tom yeah. didn't grab you. It's really bothering me. And, and, and that was in all the trailers as well, where like. There's a great shot, yeah. It's like, yeah, that's what they think they've got. You stick it in trailers. And actually, if if a fight is going to go on this long, then it has to be a lot more brutal than this and a lot less stylized. You know, should, we should really mm. feel the stakes if they're going to kill each other at this rate. Whereas here, I just... Uh, there, there, that shot there. But yeah, the only impression I get in this scene is one of these, both of these are going to be a bit tired in a minute. Yeah, mildly knackering. Uh, there's the credits to Poldark, the 1970s version. <laughs> No, the credits to Paul Dark 2000s version. I don't know. I've only seen that a couple it's of times. It's still probably the same. Yeah, it's totally different. It's a totally different Or it could show. be the also opening credits to Wycliffe. <laughs> 90s cop show drama. Yes. Was that the one set in Cornwall? Yeah. Fucking hell, they went with a bit... I live in Cornwall, but they've gone for real glamour there. It's not a place that screams, you know, multiple homicide. We do have no. murders down here. You get them all over the country in small numbers, but... Yeah, if you want to like sell a bit of like cop show grit, Cornwall's not it. No, it's, it's Cornwall's not. where you have a gentle, a gentle show with like, like Doc Martin style. Yeah, where you have like you know, I know it's not a cop it, drama, but gent, gentle disagreements with your neighbours and quirky characters trying yeah, to sell your dodgy quirky stuff. Quirky businessmen. Doc Martin's a good show, but it's not hard hitting. No. It's like it's like Midsummer Murders, isn't it? It's like Mr. the Murder, it's like the murder, murder capital of, of England. It's easy to watch. You kind of like the characters, and it's pretty, so you'll see exactly. some quite nice shots of stuff. And it's normally it, yeah, it shot during to... so it always looks nice. And that's it. Not makes hard. you want to visit the location. Max Power's about to catch the bullet. Max Power. She's proper selling the I'm poorly 
I'm dying. Oh, I look very well. <laughs> really, 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 just look like you sort of just phoned in sick it, for a bed and day. It, and, and, <laughs> and it shouldn't, because basically, once it becomes active, you're fucking dead, right? Yeah. And before then, it's inert. There is absolutely nothing set up in the film that she should have the slight cold coming coming <laughs> no. on the illness. Slight cold. And all of that was dragged out to fuck. She, oh. she, she's, she, she's doing, she's doing the. I'm sick. Oh, I don't. can't come in work today. I don't want to go to school, <laughs> mum. I'm no. ill. <laughs> Okay. It's a way omnibus okay. on at lunchtime. I want to stay home. Yeah. Close up that, so we don't know what, so we know what's happening. But we didn't need a close up. That they've. Oh, this film is just wildly over designed. To from everything being storyboarded to like absolute insert shots we don't need. It's like when Macquarie said, you know, I used to have shots of put people were putting lights on and stuff, so you would literally understand why lighting changed, and you realise over time you don't need this stuff. Oh. I, I like McCoy, he's such a ballsy filmmaker. No, he isn't legendary. Accessible filmmaker. And I, I, I listened Easily. to that interview that you sent me, Chris, and you know, he said, I've made five films with him and I want to make another 50. Yeah. And he said it, in, he didn't say it in any great declarative way. He was just chatting. Of course, people, when they're not acting, just sound totally different. He's just chatting like this and mm. he just said, oh, I'll make another 50. Uh, course they've done another couple since then and there's another couple to come so it, it'll be at least it, fun. it's how he frames it how he just sort of says oh like my relationship with tom has always just been like a conversation about uh filmmaking uh occasionally interrupted by production <laughs> that, that's just kind of like that just sums up that whole attitude yeah. and he just and he, and he yeah, we're just hanging out yeah he's another one who references three days of the condor quite a lot must see that film at some point because i haven't seen it yeah, look at that amazing city there somewhere, somewhere in behind there that we somewhere can't see. In that world. You just think uh, you, you can just see in the distance somewhere where there there are undoubtedly some amazing locations. They're not in this film. Oh, they should well, meet again with slow motion going on in front of them. There are quite a few in this film. This isn't Tia Maria though. This would have to be some light daytime equivalent, maybe based on like a white drink. A Kodak. It'd be a Kodak. Well, no, this, no, it would still be Tia Maria, but it'd be their daytime version. It would be in a Malibu cover. Co- Malibu. Yeah, coloured. I know, I see what Chris is getting at there. And it would be got, cream like, based. Make memories that last a lifetime. With Some sort of, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, they'll be appetised. That'll be it. Yeah. Appetiser, that's the one. <laughs> that's to be a drink. Yeah, make memories that'll last a lifetime. Well, I don't know, is there make an your, drink? Make your Australia. day. In Australia. Make your Drop day complete. Andy Newton then take lots of photos of her. With Kodak. <laughs> well, there's a national like food or drink of Australia. Mm. Particularly of, of Sydney, I don't know. But it's a very yeah. colourful ending, so, so yeah, I... Kodak. Oh. So she's probably... She's... Probably the, missing, film, the, the missing dialogue here is probably saying like, "Oh well, you know, I can't. On, but... I, I can't wait to uh, introduce you to my friend Julia." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> missing line of dialogue. Did you know? <laughs> Please meet my friend Julia. And now we know why she isn't mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, that explains it. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, you mean she introduced him? Yeah. No, I had it another way round. I thought you had him setting it up a threesome or something. No, right, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me introduce you to my nice friend, Junior. Mission Impossible 4 following her where she's like bitter and just revenge shagging everyone. You know, the real tragedy is though, seeing we're watching this as a commentary with no sound, we're really missing that really great Hans Zimmer score. Yeah. And a and, uh, bit of Limp Biscuit on the soundtrack. The soundtrack's really awful, but it is the same. I mean, a couple of years later, you had Spider-Man with a fucking Nickelback song on it and stuff. Oh, Strange God. era. Songs on And the heroes save us. Yeah, and they had the video where it was them singing to camera with, like, inserts of bits from the film, and it mm. just looked... It arrived, like, predated, Just <laughs> instantly, like, dated and awful. Yeah, but that was the thing, though, wasn't it? It's like, that was, like, the the done thing for it. So, like, you, you have... You ban stuff with like, uh, you know, clips from the film. You don't really get that anymore. You don't have like. You sort don't. Of... Go on off all these sort of songs written for films. Mind yeah. you, I was able to use a song that was written for uh, for Fallout on the trailer for it. So, but yeah, not with the video and the sort of the vaguely stars of the day. No, it doesn't really. It's not. It's gone a bit out of fashion. Which you know, Nickelback might have killed it. To be honest with you. That fucking song and video was just hugely overplayed. They weren't any good. So we are the credits. So we'll see out the credits, folks. But yeah, we're done with Mission Impossible. Finally, and we are done this time. Oh, this is very sad. Until yeah. the next film. We will do those two films. So we'll still be running then. It's only a couple of years away. We'll definitely be doing them. So. We'll cover them, but it'll be weekend of release type stuff, which I think with that sort of thing, it depends how prolific a series is. I don't want to commit to doing like weekend of release for every Marvel film that comes up, because we may not want to. But like Tarantino only makes a film every three or four years, so that's different. Mm. So we'll see that weekend of release and record it then. may take a couple of weeks to come out. It depends. It does depend, because we're going to be a week or two ahead now for a little while. And we'll try and do it for Terminator as well, because again, there aren't Terminator films that often, and with at least some involvement from Cameron and you know the original stars and stuff like that. Well, it's the first one for a long time where there's a hint of hope. Nothing more than that, just a hint of hope. I think it will be shit personally, but I do. But <laughs> there's a hint, but there's a hint of hope. Yeah, because when it, watch, it might be slightly less shit, to it and you've said. Well, I've seen all this before. It, it, it might be less shit. Yeah. But that's what I mean, just a yeah. hint of hope. Linda Hamilton signed up for this one. She hasn't signed up to any of them since the second one. So. I think the idea was to have her in three, and they wrote her out when she refused. So, um, Yeah, that's probably it. I think it's probably the Cameron element, the fact that he wasn't involved. Yeah, but I haven't... Because I think Michael Bain said the same thing as well. He sort I'm of never like... sure about Cameron's taste because Cameron himself has flaws as a filmmaker. But I've made peace with all those flaws mm. now, so I really like him in that I expect the things he doesn't do well and I balance them against the things he does really well. So on balance, I think he's really good. But if you wanted to be negative, a lot of holes. But he prefers like Terminator 2 to the first one. And I genuinely think he's wrong. I think he, he almost doesn't understand the appeal of his own films relative to each other. And I think he's gone with the 
I think he's measured it by what he was able to do, i.e., I had this vision, but I didn't have the budget the first time round, or the second time round, and I could put it on the screen or whatever. The first one's just a better film. Hmm. But when we got to Genesis, he was interviewed. Terrible. So his involvement in and of itself doesn't save anything. Alita was no better than All Right, and he wrote it. So it's not definite it will be any good. And like I say, on balance, I tend to suspect it won't be. But because he is involved, Linda Hamilton's involved, the guy from Deadpool's involved, it might actually end up quite quite witty and decent. Mm. And it's a sequel to the second one, as opposed to trying to build in all the various like twists and turns it's taken since. So there's hope. Yeah. And I'll go in with hope. But yeah, you watch a trailer and you just go, all right, this is a slightly more modern, slightly more diverse version of stuff I've seen several times. But we'll see. But we'll do that weekend release. We'll be going to see Tarantino in, well, about three weeks now. Yeah. yeah the new film. So we're, we're all seeing that on the Friday or Saturday. New it comes Tarantino out. film. <laughs> well, we're going to be recording it on a Sunday or near to, so we need to basically see it. Worst case scenario, we can see it, see it, slip it a couple of days, but we need to, like, record early that week but we are a little bit ahead now because we've done an extra week of this and we're going to do two commentaries this week and then move on to the next series so we're going to have an extra one in the bank hopefully okay you can find me at the pasty kid 1976 on twitter uh, you can find me at Cinematronics uh, and uh, so you can find all the old episodes at uk. but you can all, we're all available on Spotify, uh, Apple uh, um, iPod, iPod, bloody hell, I can't speak. <laughs> I Apple Ice Pops. <laughs> Ice Pops. in this 20th Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcast places you can find, just search for us, we're there. Yeah, I think basically SoundCloud's probably the only one we're not on. And we're not on any, like, hosting service in that you won't go to Acast and find us and things like that, because we've never gone on that. But all the major podcast streamers we're on. And you can find us on Twitter at Expect Us to Talk. Facebook.com uh, forward slash And YouTube.com. Yeah. yeah, just Google us, you'll find <laughs> it. <laughs> ah, so seven weeks on from the last Bond commentary. This has come round a bit quickly. So we did Casino Royale, so that's knocked out one of the really great ones. But, Becca, it's your choice this time. So what have you got in mind? I would like us all to ski down a slip in a giant cello case. This is Chulu! And do a commentary. Which, which means... isn't the funny line, it's the we've nothing to declare! Just this Chulu! Just a cello! 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 I think it kind of makes it, though. Yeah, but every time you emphasise the line that isn't the funny one. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to declare. Just this nothing to declare. That's the one. But they do have they're declaring the cello. Is like, well, to be fair, there's also the bit where it gets there's also bit where gets like a, a bullet hole in it, and he looks at it, and goes like, "Sorry." <laughs> Just like the character is. Yeah. He's, he's actually the cellist, so he's perfect for that characterisation of Tim, though, because they play him like really caring, like Rogers with Melina. Mm, exactly. Yeah, that she, she is a complete fucking wet blanket. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, yes. Do expect to talk with with our commentary of my choice, the Living Daylights.